It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now listening to Auburn had an amazing uh, recruiting weekend uh, with a lot of talented kids for the future coming in. But we got news of, I would say, an unlikely visitor uh, who actually committed. Uh, Edge rusher Marcus Bragg commits Mm. to Auburn. Pretty interesting pickup. I'll definitely read off for you guys some of his stats. Marcus Bragg hails from Yuma, Arizona. Uh, he's a grad transfer from Western Kentucky. Uh, he's at six foot five, two hundred and sixty-eight pounds, and last year had kind of a breakout year uh, for them: twenty-seven tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, and one forced fumble in twenty twenty-one. Uh, he is a grad transfer who is actually using his COVID year to play this upcoming year for Auburn. So a very interesting pickup. We already know who Auburn has at the edge position, and this was actually a very interesting position that we've talked about in the past. Definitely want to ask you guys uh, about this because it seems like the philosophy on the defensive side of the ball is to continue to play a lot of guys and rotate a lot of guys. Last year, we saw a rotation of Derek Hall, Aculiota, of Romello Height, and TD Moultrie. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for obvious reasons, you need more bodies there in the event that a Culiota or Derek Hall goes down with injury. We hope that doesn't happen, but it seems even beyond that, they want to kind of rotate some guys in and out, just like they're doing in other position groups on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I- Treat your boys. Chill Boys Underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys Underwear will help you keep the boys close, uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys Underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. We saw last year uh, we had suspensions happen for both um, Romello Height and TD Moultrie last year, and we got thin at the edge position. Like, the pass rush just was not the same when you didn't have four guys that you could rotate in and out um, that could be similar type of players, right? Like, um, big body, but fast on, along the edge, can both set the edge in the run and be able to get after the passer. 
Uh, so definitely good to see another body be able to get in there. I like the philosophies that we're doing around what we want to do with our edge players and our defensive line as a whole. So this is going to be another good, solid piece to be able to add someone who's got, you know, one year of eligibility left. He's played multiple years at the college, at the collegiate level um, and has the size to be able to do the things that are necessary. So hopefully he'll be able to contribute day one. I'm going to be honest, I haven't looked at a ton of tape on him yet, so I don't have a, a real good feel for how he plays, uh, but definitely looking forward to see his what he's able to contribute in that room. Mike, we know who you've been big on at the edge position, uh, Dylan Brooks. And while I agree, he's definitely uh, the future at that position. Uh, given that Auburn is definitely going to need some more bodies after this season, seeing as though all of the guys that were mentioned on this roster currently will have moved on, likely. My question for you is, it, it seems to me as though they're trying to bring Brooks along slowly. And it seems like even though he does factor to be a part of the playing rotation, they definitely want to get some guys ahead of him who have in-game experience so that he can kind of pick up the speed of the game and actually get going as the season goes along. How, what are your thoughts on that? Similar or do you think differently? Experience is never a bad thing. And I don't care where these kids play. Uh, I do want to go back, back and point out, this kid is from Yuma, Arizona. So if you don't know anything about Yuma, he's got to be good because there ain't nothing to do out there. <laughs> it is desert and then Yuma <laughs> and then more desert. <laughs> Uh, so I assume he spent his childhood raking sand in sand dunes or uh, you know, like whatever you do in the desert, man. I, I Yuma is barren. I, I drive through it on my way to San Diego from Phoenix to San Diego. I've made that drive a couple times and it's literally nothing. Yuma desert. So um, you got to be good at something because there's plenty of times on your hands to, to hone in your craft in Yuma. Uh <laughs> Other than that, listen, these guys from these schools like Western Kentucky, these, you know, he's a grad transfer. He's using a COVID year as an extra year. So he's had five full years to develop his body at the college level. Uh, he brings a certain experience into the game that I think that the coaches probably saw and they like. And you have you could just never have too many guys. I don't think that it really says anything for where anybody stands currently. I think this kid had a chance to to transfer to a major Division I program, uh, get into playing rotation, and he'll get a shot to prove why he deserves a bigger slice of the pie in terms of playing time. That's it. That's all this is. You add depth where you can. I think we have a few scholarships left. I think we're like four scholarships left of a full load. I think we had 81. So we've got three more after this maybe that uh, we can give out and use them. Why not? Why not? If a kid wants to come here, why not bring them in? And if injuries or suspensions or any of the other things that happen through attrition happen, then you have a guy with some experience that can step in. I like it. Uh, seems like we're still defensive heavy on bringing guys in. Yeah. It still feels like there's a lot of folks coming on defensive side of the ball, but I don't really think this spells anything for how Dylan Brooks is or isn't developing. I, I think the coaches are just, you know, you got to have multiple contingencies in the SEC, baby. Because injuries happen, suspensions happen, you know, freak accidents happen, uh, grades happen, all kind of things happen. Yeah. So and you can never have enough guys to rotate on that defensive line. And I'll, I'll, I'll die on this hill. Depending on how we do offensively, you may need a lot of guys to rotate to stay fresh in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, it is what it is. He may come here and he may not play very much. Just because we picked him up doesn't mean he's going to play. Be jump in here, man. What, what are some thoughts you had about this pickup? I mean, same as Ike and Mike said. We don't. We can't say that this speaks negatively of the guys on our line already because, first of all, the last two guys they brought in um, transferred from Memphis and now the transfer from Western Kentucky, they're one of your guys. Uh, if they had brought in some guys with two or three years of eligibility left, and then to me that says something about what they think about what we have in the cupboard already. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're bringing, that means they would be bringing people in to take the current guy's projected starting jobs or, you know, um, pass rushing down jobs. But I don't think that's what this is. I think this is getting more experience on the field in case you get thin. So if you do happen to lose a Derek Hall for a couple games or lose an Aquileota for a couple games for whatever reason, then you've got guys behind them who have seen and done a little bit more. They'll be more prepared to contribute. They'll be physically more prepared to contribute. Now, that's not to say that Dylan Brooks or anybody else is a slouch. They've been in the he's been in the strength training program for two off seasons now, so he should be prepared to contribute. And I think we all still expect to see him get on the field. But um, experience counts, and experience matters. And I think that's just our staff reinforcing that and shoring up for a very long and a, a lot of attrition in the SEC season. Yeah, I would also add, imagine you're a kid and you've exhausted your eligibility and you're okay, but not quite good enough to make it to the next level. Right. And then and then just like Jesus turned the water into wine. Oh, here we go. Somebody comes through and says, bam, keep the party going one more year. Right. You get another chance to prove yourself. He just comes through and Jesus extends your eligibility for one more year to develop yourself at the college level. That's a blessing. For a lot of these kids, these kids are getting a blessing, a lot of them, to get an extra year in college to develop and prove themselves. That's all I'm saying. I I think it's a good thing. Now, he he, (laughs) it doesn't mean he's not good either, but he maybe never just got a chance. Talent evaluation is not an exact science, and people miss a lot. And there's always some hidden gem in there, like somebody slept on Nick Farrelly at one point. (laughs) Yeah. And then he busted on the scene like the second— Becoming a war sap. Okay, I about to say we're we're gonna get another Jesus. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's Sunday. It's, it's Sunday. It's he Sunday. Busts so. on the scene just like Jesus. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> on the seventh day, right? So I just think uh, I think this is a good thing for these kids, man, that are getting this sixth year to play college football. Um, they've got their health, um, and they've got another year to prove themselves and try to make it to the next level and show somebody they can do it at the major college level. But he gets to step up from you know, the minor leagues to the big leagues, man, and do it at Auburn University in the SEC. Like I said, I don't think that means that it's guaranteed that he's going to get heavy playing time in the rotation. Right. I just think if he had to burn one more year, why do it at Western Kentucky? Right. Why not come to Auburn if they're willing to have you and try it there? And if somebody gets hurt, maybe you get your break, man, and you have a breakout season. Like, let me ask you this, because you have made mention of this player, Joko Willis. Mm-hmm. You made mention of him, especially coming out of spring, possibility of him rotating over to the edge position. And it just mm-hmm. seems like with his talent level, we've seen what he was able to do just in limited special teams work last year. Right. We know he can be a force. What do what do you think the plan could potentially be for Joko Willis? Do you think it changes or do you think it stays relatively the same? I mean, I think it stays the same. He is, um, 
you know, I, I am interested to see the combinations that this uh, defensive staff rolls out with, you know, if they're going to go with, you know, an odd man or even man front, what the linebackers that they're going to put together with that. Are we going to do, you know, four, two, five, or are we going to be doing three, four, four, three? Like we've got so many pieces and so many ability, you know, bare front. Like there's a lot of different ways they can employ people and put them on the field. And I'm just super interested in seeing how they line those guys up and then what varieties of things that they do in similar packages. And Joko Willis more specifically is someone who is a linebacker, right? But if they're going to be playing a, you know, a three, four scheme, right. He can play the outside linebacker role and he can still drop back in coverage. So I just wonder kind of, you know, are they going to use him as a pass rusher or more of a traditional linebacker? It's just so much that that's going to be doing um, happening or um, they can do. Uh, but I do think that he has been working with the edge rushers more um, recently. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy him onto the field and how much time he gets to be able to actually show us something. Um, but I do think that this might say something about where they feel like he is right now in his ability to go out and play. I think that speaks more to him than it does to someone like Dylan Brooks because he is undersized uh, for what you want as a traditional edge. Um, but, you know, uh, definitely interested to see how this plays out as we get into fall camp. Former Auburn defensive tackle Wayne Dickens works with these kids at Western Kentucky. So um, maybe next year I'll get an update from him on on the profile of this kid because he probably knows him well. I think yeah, and then I think Wayne now is did he move to Texas? Yeah, he did he did something. There's a chance that he worked with this kid. He, I, yeah. I, I think he's I think he just moved though. He he I'm I'm sure he's familiar with this kid. But mm-hmm. yeah, um congrats to him because I think he's taking a similar position at SMU, if I'm not mistaken. So sure. okay. young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Let's, Let's talk quarterbacks. It's going to be a very interesting summer and fall because... We got some guys in the room who are going to be competing. Now, we haven't counted out Holden Gariner. I've not counted him out, but the the belief is, at least for me, some of you guys may share this thought as well, is that this is really a three-man race going into the fall. So what I'd like for us to do, just for the sake of this conversation, we're trying to determine the, the possible scenarios as to what the pecking order is going to be for our QBs. Now, this is going to be a pretty, I think this is going to be a pretty lengthy conversation because we're going to look at four different scenarios for what could potentially happen. And we're going to talk about them in detail, give our thoughts on them. So without further ado, here are the scenarios. Scenario A, QB1 is Zach Calzada. QB2, Robbie Ashford, QB3, TJ Finley. Now, when I look at this scenario, just when I just look at it off top, I'm seeing here that Zach Calzada has come in and to me clearly has taken this job. 
Right. I don't know what the time frame is. Now, now let me ask you guys this. Is this game one? This is game one, baby. Game one. Okay. This is game one. So these scenarios are based on who takes the field the first week, the first snap of the season, who's out there. Yeah, I want to stress, these are not in the order of what we think is most likely to happen. They're just listed out, right? Yeah, so like, this is not A is the most likely, B is the next likely. This is just listed here. Absolutely, absolutely. Mike, to me, it looks like Calzada... Basically, without a spring, even though he did participate in some drills, once he was let loose, showed up and showed out. Yeah, listen, you don't bring a guy in who started almost every game for his school in the SEC last year. He's not a factor. He's not a major factor. They brought him in to be a major factor. And it would take a colossal meltdown on his part to not be a factor. He would have to be a complete fraud to not be in this race. I don't think that he is. So, you know, this is a potential scenario. Um, and I think that scenario A reflects that um, you had an incumbent in, Q- in TJ Finley that has been here and has had chances at Auburn that the others haven't. And it probably represents the coaches uh, wanting to move on because they brought two guys in in the offseason. You know, and they brought those guys in to compete. Uh, we got to see Ashford during A-Day. He looked pretty good. You know, he showed off some wheels. Uh, he can do some things that the other two definitely can't. But uh, the one thing that he lacks over Finley and Calzada is the actual in-game on-field experience. So I think A is one of the potential scenarios here where we could see Calzada take the, the uh, number one job based on you know what we've seen on tape from last year. And uh, what we've been hearing in the offseason about the work that he's been putting in. Uh, if you check his social media, you'll see him throwing with receivers. Uh, his, his QB coach has been in Auburn in the indoor facility with him multiple times a week throwing to receivers. This guy's putting in a lot of work to try to win this job. So Ashford and Finley, I believe, are working just as hard. But I think scenario A represents the coaches wanting to go a different direction at quarterback kind of looking more to the future than than to the past b what are your thoughts about scenario a what 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 would do you conclude about this particular pecking order how it fell out what was the fallout for it what 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 do you make of this if this was to happen by week one if there's a scenario where tj finley so this is including uh scenario d is at the bottom of the pecking order after being here for a full year, starting three games and leading the charge in, in an offseason where Calzada could not play, then TJ Finley is not going to play here. That that is to me, that is a a definite thing. If there yeah. if, if he's QB three after that much time, that much experience with these coaches, uh Brian Harson got to call plays for TJ Finley in the bowl game. He got to coach him up for a few weeks before the bowl game. Like, you don't get that type of one-on-one where you're the in the driver's seat. The coach is calling plays for you. You're QB1 in the spring. You start on A day. All those things don't happen, and you end up third out of three QBs, and you still got a chance here. That means guys who either just got here in the spring or just put some pads on for real 
it late summer, uh, late spring, early summer jumped you, and that's not a, that's not a good thing for you. So my my assumption would be that Finley is here. He is breaking case of emergency if that were to happen. I I don't know what can be said for Calzada being one over Ashford. If if Calzada is playing over Ashford, to me that means that there had to be a proficiency in his ability to control the offense, and I think that's probably what's most valuable to Brian Harson. What the things that we've heard him say? Go ahead. What was you gonna say, about do, uh, B? Do you think that just having tape on 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 Calzada from last year kind of gives him an edge over Robbie? Like, I, I feel like you can do real evaluation of his game that you're going to be yeah. guessing with Ashford, and it'd be less of a guess with Calzada. I I don't know. I just want to interject that point. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair because what you have then is Calzada. What does he do under pressure? What does he do when he's really um, when, when we got him on the run? Those are things that you know. Like for for all the things we can say about how last year Bo Nix definitely improved over time, what he defaulted to in the Georgia game, the Texas A and M game, where he looked um, shaken again, he's gonna scramble out right out of that pocket without pressure. We know what he looks like when he's playing at his worst with Calzada. I think you you take a look at him under pressure all year because of what their offensive line wasn't at Texas A&M last year. And you say, I see what you aren't doing well, and I think I can fix it. I've got mm-hmm. the best information on you because I know what you look like at your worst. Yep. Now, True. I know how to raise that floor because I've already seen it. I saw you didn't score touchdowns on us. We had you boxed in, but I still like what you were able to do. So I know I, I know exactly how I can work with you and what I can do to improve your game. And I think that's incredibly valuable. With Robbie Ashford, you really don't have much because he hasn't been on the field in college, power five ball, and put in those situations yet. That doesn't mean his ceiling isn't remarkably high. It just means you don't know. And in Brian Harson's case, whoever you put out there, we're talking about, yes, you can't go six and six again and not be in serious trouble if you're Brian Harson. He's got to win, I think, at least seven. He's got to shock somebody with at least one of those wins. And I think to be completely safe, he needs to win eight. It's best to go with what you have the most information on. Who do you have the most data on right now? And I think that's probably Calzada. In these situations, in A and D, if Calzada is your starter, I think it's because, like you said, Mike, they've got the most info on him. Even if he couldn't practice in the spring, there's a lot that you can still figure out. You can run through some plays. You can run through some play designs, asking where you go with the ball in this situation. Why? Why'd you go there? Exactly. Did you see? I mean, they do this all the time. They're watching the spring game together. They're going over tape. He can't participate. They can still do film study. Why did we go here instead of there? Well, this guy did this. He bit down. So that was your reading. You got it. So that's right. There's still so much that you can do from a mental standpoint. Mm-hmm. He still has to come out in this summer camp and prove it, though. Hey, and, shameless, and we'll get to do shameless plug. He actually talked about that be during our interview with him. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't miss that interview. He talked about what his offseason was like rehabbing from the injury. Yeah, for sure. Ike, talk to me real quick before we, we get to the next scenario, probably get into the break a little bit. What are your thoughts about scenario A? In your opinion, what will have happened for Calzada to jump, for Calzada and Ashford to jump Finley, because the presumption here is that Finley came out of spring the number one guy for obvious reasons, right? So what will have taken place in fall camp over the summer to lead to this week one? Uh, I mean, for for this to have happened week one, then um, 
Calzada would have had to come out in fall camp and just be blowing. I mean, he's going to, I mean, his, his accuracy and his decision-making, his grasp of the playbook is going to have to be amazing. Mm. And that's not because I think that the other guys are so amazing with those things. I just think that he has to clearly separate himself to jump all the way to game one starter. Yeah. Right. Now it, it, it does. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts at some point down the line, but to be game one starter, he needs to have clearly shown he's the superior choice. Like it can't be close. If it's close, I think somebody else wins. I think Finley wins if it's close. If it's right. close, I R- think regardless Finley of who wins. Yeah. I'm saying, whoever the the person he's tied with, because they've had more mm-hmm. time in the system and more time with his staff, actually doing. Uh, reps with ones and twos. If it's close, he doesn't win. He's got to clearly separate himself in order to be starter game one. Mm-hmm. Same, probably true of Robbie too, right? Like, right, mm-hmm. right. Like, you know, I mean, he's. Got- I mean, I think I think the only person who doesn't need to clearly win is TJ Finley. Finley, yeah, right. But the other two, yeah, I think. But for Zach Calzada, like he's got a. I mean, it's got to be a significant gap in my mind between those two, as far as their confidence level in him to walk out of their game one, having not taken any, like, because you have to remember, he is coming back from an injury, right? Right. Like, and so Mm -hmm. you don't want to, no matter how much you condition and no matter how much you try to get yourself back, you can't get into game shape without playing games. You can get back into decent football shape. You can get back into throwing shape. You can't get in game shape. Without, because they're not going to be going full contact against the quarterbacks in practice. Right. 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 So he can't be in game shape without playing games. And so if he is the QB1 day one, either there was an injury during the offseason, God forbid, or his grasp of the playbook and the accuracy and decision-making that he's showing in practice is just leaps and bounds above what everybody else is doing. And it's like, I can't not play him. Clearly right. superior. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Man, y'all talk, y'all preaching the gospel after one on a Sunday? Come on, man. <laughs> you started with Jesus. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. I did you know what? That. I so that 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 gave me a point. Uh, you gave me an idea. Because, like you said, he needs game reps, right? To get back mm-hmm. in game shape. That's why this schedule is so important to settling the quarterback position before For we sure. get to play any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we got the best scenario yeah. ever with yeah. Having yeah. two home games against two cupcakes so that we could figure out this QB position early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so do, do y'all think that they may start Calzada specifically to give him the opportunity to get in game shape, shape and get some game reps? Well, let's clarify game shape, though, guy. right? Like, I mean, because he finished last season, right? So he, he is no more but not in say, game shape than the other two. Uh, when I say game yeah. shape, I'm talking about taking hits. Right. I don't mean Mentally. like him being winded. I'm right. talking about the speed of the game coupled with being able to stare down a rush because right. that's different. I'm not talking. He might be in wonderful condition, but being in condition and be and play after play after play getting hit is still different. But he's not getting hit during the spring, though, right? I mean, that's you can't get hit. That's what he nobody's saying. nobody's getting hit. Nobody's being mentally hit. and physically prepared to. Take contact because you know maybe in light in light of his injury, right? In light of of his injury, injury. coming back from that injury, right? Because I guess my point is that until he gets hit the first time, he doesn't know, right? He doesn't know. That's true. And and it was knees and shoulders last year. 
And wow, so okay. it's not just it was he, off shoulder. It was not just his, his shoulder. Sho- like, his shoulders what got repaired, but mm-hmm. he had knee, a knee injury as well. So yeah, here's the point: it's like, yes, maybe he'll be able to mm-hmm. take one hit. But what happens after that first hit? Is he still is it? So you know, let's make it some sort of game playing reference. After the first hit, how much damage does that put to his overall life bar now? Right? right. Like, is he? Is it like okay? Well, it's just another hit. I'm still at. 95, 98% after that. Or after hit one, is he down to 65%? You're like, shoot, yeah, he wasn't ready. We have no idea about that because he, and he doesn't know. Nobody knows until he starts getting hit. Yeah, we're going to get into it, but that's why all the other scenarios that we're going to discuss are important as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah, like so, because, I mean, just because you start the season, there's a number of reasons why you might not finish it. Right. Right. And that's why I had to clarify, this is as of week one. So we'll definitely talk about the others. Now, now.